Now hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. And Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of all their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. And Jesus lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Tell you as I studied this week and read through these passages, I was greatly troubled. And now I get to share that trouble with you. <laughs> In Advent, we began our journey through Luke's well-ordered account of the things that have been fulfilled among us by introducing two themes that will guide our lectionary journey through the year with Luke. First, the pilgrimage journey from the regions of Galilee through Samaria to Jerusalem, to Jerusalem and the cross and the tomb and the resurrection. Our second theme is the clash of kingdoms, the clash between the temporal and the eternal, the invitation to a kingdom imagination, or more appropriately, the invitation to participate in the kingdom reality that is radically different from our worldly experience. We'll focus on this second theme today. We join Luke's narrative, still in the region of Galilee, after the healing stories, after the call of Levi the tax collector, after Jesus is challenged and reorients the Pharisees regarding the Sabbath, after he has spent all night on the mountain in prayer and named the twelve apostles. Jesus comes down from the mountain filled with power. He encounters a large crowd. The crowd presses around Jesus seeking healing and restoration. Demons are cast out. Diseases are healed. Consider for a moment the contrast with the Exodus story. 
Moses goes up on the mountain, he meets with God, and he comes down after speaking with God, and his face shines with the glory of God. And Aaron and the elders and all of Israel see the radiance of Moses' face, and they're scared to go near him. The commandments that Moses received, the instructions for a people who dwell in the presence of a holy God, these instructions were to protect the people from bringing the contamination of sin and death into contact with the holiness of God. And now, now we have Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, fully human and fully God. He comes down from the mountain with power radiating from him. And the people, instead of running away, they come to him. For in Christ, we find that no longer is sin and death the contagion, but instead, holiness, healing, wholeness flow out from God, cleansing, healing, and casting out the works of darkness. The kingdom of light is invading the kingdoms of darkness. The kingdom of heaven is taking on and defeating all the kingdoms of this world. Take a moment to consider how difficult this is for us to imagine in our disenchanted postmodern to modern imagination. It's easier for us to write off these miracles as superstition or something that happened once and not again. We seek natural explanations to explain away the mystery miraculous. We've developed a well-earned skepticism in regard to faith healers and television evangelists. We're tempted to spiritualize or allegorize or futurize these passages about the inbreaking kingdom of God, but Luke calls us into the nitty-gritty now of the kingdom set in stark contrast to the kingdoms of the world. Perhaps, perhaps it was easier to distinguish between kingdom claims when the scriptures were written. Easier to distinguish, perhaps, but not necessarily easier to choose. Jeremiah writes to the people of Jerusalem, calling them to put away their idols the images of false gods, the Asherah poles. He calls them to set aside their trust in armies and chariots and instead turn and worship and trust in the Lord. Luke sets the same choice between trusting in Rome and trusting in God, trusting in the teachings of tradition or trusting in the teaching of Christ. In our time, we're challenged still to discern the way of the kingdom of God as opposed to the ways of the kingdoms of this world. But we have the added challenge that over the past 1,600 years or so, the ways of the world and the kingdoms of the world have infiltrated and disguised themselves in the mantle of Christendom. No longer do we have an obvious choice between God and idol, between God and Egypt, or Babylon, or Rome, we have a more subtle challenge, 
of seeking the true kingdom of God amidst false claims and distortions that made the claims of Christianity and the kingdom of God palatable to the ruling class of the world. But today, Luke speaks to us. Luke challenges us to open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to receive the glorious vision of the kingdom of God at work in our midst. Healing, deliverance, blessings. Jesus heals those in the crowd. He casts out the demons that keep people from hearing. And he turns to teach his disciples. Drawing on the rich wisdom tradition, he begins his teaching with a series of blessings and curses. We heard similar blessings and curses from Jeremiah and from the psalmist as they taught. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, who follow his ways, who walk in his righteousness. Cursed are those who trust in their own strength, who disregard the ways of God and of his righteousness. These are not vindictive loyalty threats. Follow me or I will smite you rules. They're simple descriptions of the way a path leads. If I say to you, go north on I-35 and you'll reach Austin, you won't expect to see Corpus Christi. If you plant an apple seed, you expect to get an apple tree. We told our kids, little children who run, eventually fall down. If you go out and there's a sign that says thin ice and you walk out on a semi-frozen lake, you should not be surprised to end up wet and cold. These are wisdom sayings that describe what happens when you receive what you ask for. If you seek life, you receive life. If you seek death, you get death. There is simplicity there's also revelation. The way is not always well marked. It's not always intuitive, and it's certainly not always popular. In fact, the kingdoms of the world continually spew forth a counter-wisdom based in the original lie of the great deceiver. If you eat this, you will be like you can be your own God. Jesus amplifies the counterintuitive, countercultural way of the kingdom in a series of parallel blessings and curses. Blessed are the poor and cursed are the rich. Nowhere in Luke's account do we see the spiritualization of Matthew's record of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, in Luke's Sermon on the Plain, there's no poor in spirit or hunger and thirst for righteousness. Luke records Jesus speaking about temporal reality. Poor is poor and hungry is hungry. The ones the world called cursed are truly blessed. And the ones that the world says they're blessed are the ones who have chosen the world over the kingdom. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And cursed are the rich, for you 
have received the only consolation that you will get. The great temptation of wealth and power is to think that it belongs to us. That we can trust in it, that we can rely upon it, that we can take care of ourselves and keep God at arm's distance as an emergency plan or a just-in-case. It's only when we recognize our poverty, the poverty that we carry regardless of what our bank account or our IRA statement says, it's only in our poverty that we can understand our utter dependence upon God. Yet the kingdoms of the world will tell us that blessing, happiness, and security reside in wealth and power and self-sufficiency. But Jesus tells us that true blessing and security is found when we surrender our pride and rely only on the love that is found in the triune God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. But woe to you! who are full now, for you shall be hungry. This is a theme we heard in Mary's Magnificat in the first chapter of Luke. You have filled the hungry with good things, but the rich you have sent empty away. We'll hear this theme again as Jesus tells the parable of the rich man who isn't even named in the gospel. And poor Lazarus, who sits at his gate, seeking even the scraps that the dogs get from the table. It's Lazarus who is comforted in the bosom of Abraham, and the rich man who finds no consolation in fire. Those who feast while others are in want reject the kingdom. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall be filled with joy. But woe to you who mock others, for you will mourn and weep. Those who find that they must put others down to make themselves feel better or more powerful succumb to the siren song of the kingdoms of this world, while those who know humility can be exalted in the kingdom. Blessed are you when all the kingdoms of the world are against you, when you're mocked and reviled because you come in the name of the one true king, because you know that you are standing firmly in the kingdom of God. But woe to you when all the kingdoms of the world exalt and glorify you, when you're popular, when you tickle their ears without challenging their conscience. You grasped at a lie that will collapse around you. The love of the kingdom of God will never make sense to the kingdoms of this world. The sacrificial love characterized by poverty, humility, and community will never make sense to the kingdoms that seek wealth and power, pride and individual glory. The sacrificial love that walks the way of the cross in the certain hope of the resurrection 
will never make sense to the kingdoms of self-interest and self-preservation. Luke challenges us as followers of Jesus to see with kingdom eyes, to recognize the deceptions and deceits of the kingdoms of this world, to recognize the inbreaking kingdom of God. Luke challenges us as the body of Christ to participate in and manifest this inbreaking kingdom. Luke invites us to come and encounter Jesus, to know the power manifest in him, to come and be healed, to come and be set free, to come and be loved. And so I invite you to come to come to this table, to come to this feast of the kingdom. Come and encounter the power of Christ, the one who defeated sin and death, the one who leads us into the kingdom of light. May we indeed come with eyes to see and ears to hear. May our hearts be turned to God that we may be healed and made whole. May we be sent in love as ambassadors of the kingdom. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.